0: Welcome to the Rainbows and Rain podcast, the podcast for early interventionists, where you'll hear stories, reflection, and coaching from the field. My name is Erica, and I'm an early childhood special education teacher in Minnesota. This podcast is about connecting through stories and reflecting on our practices during visits. Listen as I try to put best practice and research to work on the road and on real visits, and how I always look for the humor in it all. I hope this podcast helps you connect and reflect on your own visits and interactions with families. Welcome to what is episode 31 on the podcast. Thanks again for listening and and joining the podcast. The community like I like to call it the R&R community. So Rainbows and Rain does have an Instagram page and you can find it at rainbows underscore rain underscore podcast on Instagram. Please feel free to send your thoughts, ideas, comments on... Episodes are on there and other things that I might throw up on there, so check it out. I'm trying to get more comfortable with the video aspect of things. I'm pretty comfortable <laughs> behind the mic where you can't see me, but not so much in the videos, but I'm trying to get there. So welcome, check it out. I um, I haven't podcasted in a while, so it's been at least a month um, or more actually since... my last podcast and so I've just been busy doing visits and on the road like you guys and the content from my podcast comes from real life It, it comes from my real visits that I'm doing right now it comes from my interactions with colleagues Uh, with other professionals in the field. Um, So that's where it comes from. So sometimes it's good to kind of take a break and take things in and process it. So, um, so I can deliver what I hope is (laughs) um, good content for you guys. So um, I wanted to do a podcast on our jargon. And I was inspired to do this Um, or I started thinking about this in when I was having a discussion with another colleague. She was talking about a visit she was doing and she was using the term visuals. Okay, if you work in the disability community, the use of visuals is like a universal strategy, right? Well, so we use this term visuals and I'm not sure it translates the same to parents. So so just this, that simple term. So this um, colleague of mine, she said that she was getting a lot of resistance from the family she was working with, who, she, you know, they were talking about coming up with a strategy and one of the thing suggested, suggested by my colleague was sort of a routine schedule, like a a visual for a routine, kind of a routine schedule, visual for a routine schedule. And the parent was really resistant. And my colleague decided to kind of flip her script a little bit and was like, what do you think of the idea of just having like a routine card with the steps of what she's supposed to do? And for whatever reason, who knows, this parent bought into that idea? And it wasn't a different idea. It was a it was different words that the service provider was using, this mom was really turned off to the word visual for some reason. I don't know what it triggered for her. Um, but for whatever reason, um, my colleague is like, I'm going to start using that word, I guess, routine cards, she called them. I'm like, hey, whatever, whatever works, whatever gets the message across or gets that buy-in, for parents to to try something. So I've been noticed. so I've been really trying to be conscious of the language I use with families too. And I came across this when it's something we say all the time, and I bet you say it on visits too when you're talking about communication and working with toddlers and things like that, especially ones that are having difficulty initiating communication, you have to sort of manipulate a situation where you create an opportunity to communicate. I've seen handouts on this. I've... I've said this phrase myself, you need to create an opportunity, create an opportunity. And I got to kind of thinking like, I don't know if that, again, translate what I really want it to. And it almost sounds like more work than what you think it is. Create an opportunity. What does that mean? What do I need? What do I need to do? So I started taking that phrase apart and I told a parent, I said, you need to find a moment or catch the moment when your child can tell you what they want or what they need. So seize that moment, take that moment, um, create a moment where, you know, they're asking for you to open that, but you know, they're they're not initiating with you, or here's your here's your chance to model or have them imitate. So it sounds really simple, like it sounds kind of silly, like, oh, why should that matter? But I think it does matter because I think parents overthink things a lot at least that's been my experience like what toys do you suggest or like what should we do for this or what should we do for that it's like you don't need anything fancy like communication happens all the time intervention can happen at any time with anything anywhere so you know find a moment create a moment use that thing you know whatever it is and um So anyways, I think it matters the language and the jargon we use with parents, and I kind of challenge you to think about those common phrases you constantly use with families, and is it translating the same? Um, Funny story, I had a PT um, tell a story once where she kept talking about gross motor skills, gross motor, gross motor, gross motor this and gross motor that and blah, 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 blah. At the end of the conversation with the parent, the dad said to the PT, every time you say gross motor, I think of a really dirty engine. (laughs) So again, like motor skills or physical skills or athletic, like whatever the word is, sometimes we really need to pull back on some of that even everyday jargon. We can get really caught up in, in jargon in our field, but we almost need to kind of pull back on the everyday jargon so parents can understand buying in, um, to what we're trying to explain or do. A professional growth goal of mine this year is to write better IFSP outcomes and if, um, if you're listening and you're not from the United States, um, IFSP is just the document we have, the plan we have for families um, that document goals and services and things like that for children under three years old. So the outcome, the goal that the that the team comes up with, including the parents, I've been really trying hard to pull back on that jargon in within that goal and also make it more, even more family and routines focused going beyond that to like, it's actually the family participating in writing and kind of owning this goal. And there's a lot of resources out there, um, on how to do this and how it can help you do this. Um, I really like this article I found, I think it's Russian. Yeah. It's Russian Sheldon, of course. Um, on tips and techniques for developing participation-based IFSP outcome statements. And a couple things I've learned uh, on some of like the reading that I've done and things like that when it comes to IFSPs is is that you should avoid outcomes that are kind of discipline-based, that they should cross disciplines. They should really focus on what the family wants, what the child is interested in, um, what the family priority is, um, and what support that parent or that caregiver is going to need within that everyday activity or everyday routine. So I really like this article. It's you know let's look it's about five or six pages long but the very bottom has like the very last page has an example IFSP family focused and child focused outcome statement kind of overview and a little like um kind of case study scenario and it kind of gives tells you what this looks like um So anyways, I really like this. I'll try and post it on Instagram or I will link it actually in the episode description because that's really easy for me to do. I will link it in the episode description so it can help you with that. But, you know, just trying to use words like, you know, like even the words receptive and expressive communication, we know what that means. But like, do they know what that means? Like, how can we put that into more parent friendly terms. I want Johnny to talk. Great. What do you want Johnny to say? What would it be helpful right now um you know for him to say, you know, and have that parent come up with that word. Okay. Well, when does when do you think it would be good for Johnny to say that or you know, I want Johnny to be able to say out or all done because he's he keeps throwing his plate or his bowl or whatever from the high chair. Like I'm really getting sick of all this throwing. He's throwing his cup, he's throwing his fork, you know, instead of like communicating in some other way that he's all done. Like if you could help me with that, I would love it. Okay. So now you have like a family that's vested into like a goal, like, great, let's get Johnny to communicate that he's all done. And if Johnny is working on fine motor too, like what else can we sneak into that routine? Can he give the plate or, you know, does he need to work on taking bites too? So like, maybe it's a successful, just a successful mealtime routine you know, maybe it's not just the throwing that's the problem. Maybe there are other things that just happens to be the biggest problem. And if parents are going to like be in that routine and working on it hard, then let's like, let's capitalize on that. Let's, let's go with that. What else can we do? I'm gonna wrap it up here, but thanks for tuning in and thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, rate, review, whatever it is. Um, that just helps put the podcast in front of more people. Check it out on Instagram. Uh, share it with people in your community that you know is doing the work that you're doing. If you're doing home visiting, if you're working with children and families with disabilities. Um, in the home setting or community settings, please share it with them. And I hope you tune in again to another episode of Rainbows and Rain.